0: Hey there, I'm Samantha LeDuc, founder of LaDukeTrading.com, and thank you very much for joining. This is Tuesday's edition of Macro to Micro Power Hour, and I am joined by Jonathan Gibbons uh, very shortly, as soon as I promote him to panelist, so hopefully we can hear each other well and we can dig in. Hello, Jonathan. I want to definitely thank you for joining today because we're kind of... I don't know. Bored by this chopping around business, and we're gonna try and figure out if we're gonna go higher, lower, or just continue to chop around. So, Jonathan, can you hear me?
1: Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me?
0: Perfect, loud and clear. We're getting kind of relaxed on these Tuesday things. We're both in T-shirts. We're like, okay, we're waiting for something totally wicked, awesome to happen, (laughs) right?
1: I was gonna, I was gonna beg for like a a pass. I haven't had a haircut in like you know a couple months uh, my
0: curling yeah. iron broke so I just ordered one today so I'm like <laughs> oh my god Don't so
1: hopefully everybody forgive me I'll, I'll bring my professional game next week or something
0: right? I'm not yeah. like I'm not even putting up if I can't curl my hair I'm not putting a blouse on so I'm yeah. really just waiting for spring and a little bit of you know pep here with some sunshine but um still also waiting for the market to kind of figure out what it wants to be when it grows up So we we kind of started this whole idea of talking today. By the way, those who are just joining us, let me just share share a little bit of um, what we're doing here. So macro to micro power hour, uh, the two of us, right? I really love Jonathan's view of market structure and we kind of combine the macro with the technical and the sentiment and optionality. We try to make heads or tails out of stuff. Um, This is, oops, sorry, that's the main thing. Anyway, you can find VigTech um, at VigTech.io, where my risk indicators are located. You can find both of us on um, Twitter. And then my YouTube channel, which is where I will host uh, this video when we're done. So it was kind of funny. We talked about is Fed trapped? Um, A week ago, I had a great segment with um, Michael Libowitz on deflation risks. And anyway, every Tuesday, Thursday, there's a different feature that's very much macro uh, but very actionable, such as oil. And that's basically what I just wanted to say for housekeeping, where to go after we're done this little soiree. So let's get back into it. We decided to entitle this one, you know, Breakout or Fake Out, because the longer the market takes to kind of digest uh, these, these levels, it either gets, you know, wears you out, right? It gets tired mm-hmm. and then starts to roll over um, or it's a complete bear trap and mm-hmm. it shoots higher. So where are you at? What's your guess? Um,
1: so I, I post something out there uh, on Twitter this morning. Like when you looked at just specifically ARC, for example, mm-hmm. and, you know, we're building our new options product and the last, Sorry. let's say five days has been, nothing but like premium call side driven so like of tesla so it's it's overwhelming you know promote predominantly like spy and qqq and iwm it's like from a premium standpoint it's like totally overwhelming everything and you go look at you know where kathy wood is sitting with arc right at this kind of you know hanging by a thread like cliffhanger the movie on the on their um the bull bear pivot on our side, you know, pretty significant market levels from a structural standpoint and that being the largest holding they had. Right. So that was kind of my takeaway from the last couple of days is like you have this, this one stock that is the premium on it is just off the charts. And then it's all, you know, not all call side, but predominantly call side, um, overwhelming the, the put side. Uh, and you've got this, this art product that's, uh, kind of hanging by a thread with its largest holding. Can we turn our largest holding? You know, there's some kind of underlying stories that I think are floating around because when you don't have volatility, what is really happening in my opinion is like pockets. You have these pocket kind of situations going on. Like the Momo trade is getting uh, obliterated, but you you don't see the major indexes rolling, right? You see IWM very, very violent um, because it's got a lot of that inside it, a lot of those Momo trades. Are inside IWM index, and um, you don't see any of those in the DJIA. Um, you don't see any of those in this. You know, for for the most part, in the spy. You know, you got Tesla in the spy. Um, so when you when you look at this, like um,
0: I'm showing you the top ten, by the way, for the art of, of caffeine.
1: Yeah, you look I... at like Teladoc uh, crushed, Zillow crushed, Zoom crushed, Baidu crushed, um, Shopify. You know, roll well, most of these. the 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 bulk of everything they have on their side is is crushed you know and so you gotta you get they gotta run with the Tesla and it, it seems like uh, you know and they've done some things to open up some of the things that they were able to buy and how they were able to buy they changed their their mandate
0: I know, saw for the that ETFs.
1: and um, I, th- I, I think that's a lot of, of what's going on to an extent um, you know without volatility you've got these pockets so you know that's one story and there's there's a couple different stories but you know balls just not it's not playing the game at all. And I think that was kind of my biggest takeaway overall from the past week. It's like, is the longer we sit here, there's no vol, the higher likely you could get a breakup in over 4,000. And that's going to be pretty significant for the SPX. And I, I'm sitting here seeing it. Um, You know, I see, I see there's a lot of bearish sentiment. Um, It seems to be anyway, like you had the whole um, uh, Tiger cup explosion, right? Friday. Wow. 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 Um, yeah. Which is a, a total mess. But w- when you think about it, you know, um, I, I looked down today and I saw that Goldman Sachs was like the, the highest performing of, on one of my watch lists. And I was just laughing. I was like, Goldman's out here parroting that, you know, the, the world's going to end and their stocks are right now. And so it's just, you know, it's with, in the absence of volatility, things continue to rotate. I've been saying that what for four or five weeks now oh my god um, this is
0: the this yeah. is the absolute best saying you have a few of them one is of course um, you know trapped uh, uh, a trap buyers equals, <laughs> trapped longs equal liquidation yeah. and nothing is more apt than that saying in my opinion because you look at a Viacom for example or a disca and this was week after week after week until literally, <laughs> collapse same thing obviously with with disca and baidu had a really nice fall but it, it still looks like it has more to go etc etc so a lot of these are also um arc holdings but that saying is huge the other saying that you have which is uh, lack of volatility you'll have rotation after rotation and oh my gosh this has been still fabulous for the value trade and every day, you know, I'm looking at this, which just as an example, you know, we're still in a solid trend here. Yes, we can come down, but in comparison to momentum, which has broken the 10-week a, a while ago, and it looks a lot like the arc and the Teslas, right, where it's still, after five weeks, just has not gotten out of its way. Um, the, you can see it's still on the 200-day, which is that green mm-hmm. level. That's the 50-week. But they all look identical, which is similar to a pattern called an H. So an H pattern kind of does this kind of formation, a chair, and then it continues to roll over, but nothing has broken, right, as far as key levels. The one thing I will say that is above the 200-day, the and I'm not gonna show it with the dollar, because this particular TC2000 doesn't show it, but my stock charts does, is um, the dollar index. So Dixie mm-hmm. is above the 200-day for the first time in quite a long time, and interestingly enough, silver, is below the 200-day for the first time since May 15th of last year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is why I'm, you know, listening very closely to what the market is saying, which is we have lots of money coming in, right? There's still, in fact, um, I got pinged with that level yesterday. Hold on. Um, Where was it? Someone just told me and I said, that's so cool. Give me a second. Here it is. The the Fed has injected 1.85 trillion in the last eight sessions. 1.6 billion since yesterday alone, all part of that like not QE stuff. Mm -hmm. So we're still having tremendous, you know, infusion of cash, and the the market still isn't taking off. I mean, look, liquidity. Excuse me, Mark. And you know, we're still kind of like digesting and deciding what to do.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank um... you,
0: Sal. he's in the room he's going to send me that I'm like where'd you get
1: that I'd say like you know um you haven't had anything except pockets like like you got the you got the um the tiger cup thing is a pocket that's not like a predominant like it's not going to market breakdown right um then you've got uh um the teledoc stuff the triple D stuff, you've got like all of those stocks and Arc. It's like a singular store. I mean, you know, Arc is the size of, of Vanguard, uh, you know, was, not now, was, but like, yeah. you know, was, um, but not the entire market, right? Like um, there's so much passive um, capital that, that's still kind of on the buy side that, that it's just, you know, the one time frame purchasing. And then you don't have the volatility, you know, you don't get the displacement without the volatility. So all these things are like almost shaking themselves out, you know, the soft, the weak hands get shook out, you know, Tesla trade is kind of a a singularity, but then it cascades over, but it's still singularity. It's its own trade. And so none of the major indexes have broken market structure, even in NASDAQ. It doesn't, the NASDAQ doesn't look great, but the NASDAQ hasn't broken down. Right. And so, you know, without volatility, you're just not going to see these, these things can continue to consolidate. And so it's, it was more of a, what could trigger the liquidity to begin to, you know, Uh, find a desire to supply side versus buy side right sell side versus buy side and that's why i said last week the dollar yeah i was yeah it's true yeah it's because like it's probably one of the only hedges right to an extent right we talked about that where where are the
0: hedges it's not volatility it's not bonds it's not gold in fact gold and bonds continue lower which is my whole thesis right for months they're not going to get supported for a while unfortunately second right. half is still my call it's still playing out
1: uh yeah and that's been very apropos like the you know without and even these things are setting themselves up like um uh gosh i was looking at the, you know you look at the dow right and the dow as is really no components of that that are that are soft. You look at Facebook and all these things that that were the fangs that were the, really out of favor for a while, as everybody went towards the momentum trade. Well, those have been doing all right, and now they're carrying back into the indexes. So we're we are a a because uh, I did a breakdown for IWM last week, and I just showed real quickly like some of the components for IWM, and I was like, hey, why is IWM just vomiting on itself? You know, but then getting back up, but then throwing up, and everybody was like, why? You know, is that happening? What's well, the composite components of the IWM, or all of those? You know the with with the etf having to rebalance as those momo trades became larger and you know got more call buying they grew in in market market um, cap as they grow in market cap then the index is forced to buy more of them so they became more of a market weighting well as that's getting flushed out iwm's real violent because now and but we'll have to see how that shakes out as those like teledoc and all that kind of stuff now have gotten crushed you know will they you know, kind of reverse the weighting. Is this going to be natural kind of uh, rebalancing for these indexes or is this going to, you know, take a, a bigger hold on it? And I, I think the biggest...
0: Think, go ahead.
1: The biggest gambit of the whole thing, and I, you know, I go back to it, is if there's no volatility, if you don't have volatility, then the, the passive indexation, the volume of uh, buy-side transactions will just simply continue to provide float. And, you know, when you look at the SPY and you look at the SPX, and then you look at uh, you know uh, QQQ and you look at IWM, you know, it's it's really kind of that's how it's shaken out. And even when we get a little breakup in IWM and you get a break a breakup in QQQ, is related to the volatility, right? It doesn't stick. Within yeah. a day, it comes back. Mm-hmm. And as long as you see that, you're going to continue to kind of get hit if you're shorting, right? You're going to continue to see this just buy that's really a, it's really aggravating buy right, to you, because you're like, it should break down, it should break down, it should break down. It's not gonna break down until you see the volatility step in. And I'm just completely convinced of that until you see the change in the structure of the options, which is the number one reason why we wanted to build an options product, that was past flows, right, go past flows, right? Go and look at the actual, how does this thing laying out? Because you can look at this and you can see it, it's still call side. The bulk of the premium in the market is still, but side. it's
0: also rotating. So to kind of go back to that uh, that IWM analysis. So I, you know, I I follow this rotation and try to anticipate it for clients, and then I'm you know glommed onto it in my my trading room, and then obviously the trade setups. Everything has been safety, like the best offense, you know, mm-hmm. has been a pure defense position, whether it be you know oversold uh, packaging staples, basically, but also still industrials and aerospace and things yep. that are typically um very slow moving and by the way a beautiful low iv speaking speaking of yep. optionality not you know in the 20s and 30s not 120 and 130 like yeah. most of these momentum plays. Yeah. so they're absolutely gorgeous i have a list of 50 uh 50 my top 50 that are just stunning they they they're not done they look fabulous so i still think this rotation into the value and cyclical trade is still very much alive and it's also forced some of this factor rotation from momentum into growth hedge funds had you know still their worst quarter um some of them blew up um you know like last week so where is this is where is the rest of the risk out there at first it was credit Suisse was only going to have two billion exposure now today it's seven billion more estimates are coming in that this isn't you know isolated to the four Primary banks, but it's you know obviously other hedge funds have been practicing this you know ultra leverage type of routine. I I personally, it's it's fascinating to me because the air pocket of of leverage or the pockets of leverage create air pockets of risk. So we saw that last week with the China plays and the the, you know the Viacom and Discovery, um, and it was straight down fifty percent haircut. Mm. Now they do look very viable for bounces i can see calls of size coming in i can see put selling coming in and that's a great strategy but the 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 fact that it's busted it broke right it it, technically Mm -hmm. speaking the sentiment how many people were were kicked out you know with their stops after a 50 percent crash in a few days that was what feels like that could happen anytime and to other sectors as well but I'm, I'm also, um, I, I've retweeted that the retail call buying has definitely been cut in third.
1: Completely. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that's that's down significantly. Robinhood, there was a uh, something I shared the other day. It said Robinhood was in the top 20 at one point in the App Store and Apple App Store, and they're not even in the top 200 or something. So don't quote me on this, like 100 or 200. It's like it's gone way out of, of favor. That, having said that, there's still a significant amount of retail interest and then there's a significant amount of options buying that's taking place but what's you know to me is a bigger question and, and i think griffin king griffin addressed this last week too and he you know he's you know you yeah, i follow him when did he very talk closely last week? I missed it was a, a, a financial times article okay and um they interviewed him and they were you know what was his number one concern is inflation like like real inflation he's like and i think that the real inflation is the the probably the primary risk to everything, because that will handle rates in a totally different way. It would be forcing the action like we've talked about extensively. So, you know, I, I in the absence of vol, you're going to continue to see inflation continue to tick up, which is probably, you know, you can't, you can't make everything, you can't, they can't create balance, right? And so we are imbalanced at this point um, across the board. And like, you know, the houses, I saw houses were I've seen like five or six articles in the last 48 hours of 125 bids, 75 bids, 85 bids, 95
0: bids. Yeah, home builders canceling contracts with inflation clauses. But the interesting thing to me is at the same time that inflation, and you know we've been on this talking about uh, real and uh, perceived inflation expectations, the um, Eurozone report comes out. I think tomorrow we have um, the Amazon uh, Union uh, organizing vote, if you will, on Tuesday, which could impact um, wage inflation, right? I mean, if it spreads, it's got to start somewhere. Um, the, the The whole thing though, right now to me is what does oil do? I know we're, we're still stuck on mm-hmm. that, the month isn't over, um, but I still see some weakness in oil before it shoots higher later in the summer. Um, and I think we can have that kind of short, um, the heck is this thing on, on right now and we could have some short pullback in what the heck is that sorry uh, loom just popped up on my um mm-hmm. some strange errant app so i had um this expectation obviously for higher yields a higher dollar um but i think oil right now is in a really big chop area that's a little bit dangerous it can pull back pull down those inflation expectations as well right before it shoots up like hot fire flames (laughs) yeah
1: totally totally but we'll probably
0: hear the narrative in the next month of how oh no deflation's coming you know if oil does roll over down to that 53 if crude rolls over down to that 53 area but I think that it will solidify and and test it again higher I,
1: I, I want to go back and answer your question a minute ago, or you your kind of referenced your statement, You know, when those, those, there's the air pockets of risk,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? You know, ultimately, w- when there's no market action on the buy side and sell side, so you just, like, everything is a buy the dip, right? When you get tested, right, across the board, you just get those zeros out, right? Like, it's going from, you know, here to down 50%. And that's, you know, we've seen it in the broad market, it's a little bit harder to see that action happen and a little bit more violent and, uh, and prevalent than in the single stock market. So like a single stock, it's easier for it to get wiped clean than it is for like the, the, the whole index itself to be wiped. And so, you know, with the indexation functionality as a market structure, where they're, you know, taking this out and putting this in and rotating in all that passive infrastructure that's, uh, you know, indiscriminately buying. They're not indiscriminately selling it. Until you get real volatility, so until you get significant volatility, there is no indiscriminate selling in these ETFs for the indexation ETFs, the major indices. Not not like even like Kathy Wood, like she's so concentrated that it, it's you know once that once the ball starts rolling, it really it really starts rolling and gets overemphasized. So I think you know where I was going with it is the concentration risk is probably the better bigger risk at the moment than the indexation. The index risks, right, because these concentrated positions can get liquidated very quickly. The index positions, because they're balanced across the board until there's significant volatility where the ETFs by rule are selling right at their at their markers at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, then you won't see that index kind of roll situation. And I know a lot of people are like looking for that, but you got to I think you got to peel back how these things are constructed and what's inside of them for the big indexes mm-hmm. versus maybe like a, a ARC, which you can look inside it and it's all the same stuff, you know, and it's, it, it's leverage on top of the same stuff. And I think that's really, you know, when you look at Viacom and you look at the ones that, the rest of the ones that have blown up in the last couple of weeks, um, any of those MoMo trades, the same thing, those singulars can get lit up real quick. And that's what we are seeing. And so I think that is a big change and I wanna identify, it. it's like, I'm not sitting here being a bullish person, like, hey, this you know, whole thing's going higher or what have you. I think from a market structure level, it can go up higher above the 4,000 level, even 4,400, 4,600. Um, the Dow can hit 35, 37,000. Know, these are with without volatility, just based on the way that things are moving. But if you look at what has changed, what has changed is now these concentrated positions are falling apart and they when they fall apart, they fall apart quickly, a few days, when you looked at uh, uh, ARP, for example, it's so concentrated. And I showed it in the um, chart I, I gave that it was it was February 20th, roughly. And it broke these these market structure parameters and it just kept going. And it's it's really been a fight. I mean, they're fighting tooth and nail for that. But the problem is they're not, they're not balanced. And then you look at like, I know a couple of people have put out there like the space one has like things that aren't even related to space, you know, in that ETF. So it, it really is like... Um, uh, something that I think is really important at this point to look inside of the composition of these indexes as you're starting to like, you know, look at where the market structure is going to turn, break, or or hold um, on these higher levels. Because if they are balanced, then you've got that value rotation that you've been all over, then they probably will continue to get that indiscriminate money rotating inside them and to them. But if they're not balanced, they have run a high risk of getting getting uh, blown up, which I think, you know, I haven't done anything with it because we've been working pretty hard on building stuff. But like, I think it's probably something that people could explore right now. And then you could look and see what's really concentrated and what is what is not so concentrated. And the what stuff that's concentrated could be really good plays. And I think that that is like, it, it's more of a market of pockets to me until the indexes are forced to liquidate. And so you could be getting alpha in the pockets where people are definitely overweight. And so I, I wanted to just circle back on that and, and kind of throw in my two cents because I think you were right that there's significant risk. And I think that it's in highly concentrated uh, ETFs and highly concentrated positions. And because we've been on this ETF um, kind of growth spurt for like uh, five, to seven years now, we have so many you know, uh, so many ETFs that really all hold the same things or really hold concentrated things. So they're not like, you know, spread out, you know, uh, indexation. They're really kind of like basically a basket of the same stuff. And so you get these huge ID positions in them as well. So for what it's worth, I think that I've seen that and I've seen that appear in the options positioning as well where you get these these individual names.
0: Now look at this this fractal, which I grabbed because Kathy Lee, uh, Kathy Lee, Kathy Wood had, had come out and said a lot of value stocks are in harm's way, right? And so obviously I'm right now and have been a value <laughs> shopper for months because I really right. as durability as a cyclical trade, things over paper, you can see it with real estate, right? You can see it with mm-hmm. commodities and lumber and steel and, and what have you. Um, oil is a little bit different animal, but in any case, this particular—oops—I meant to show that um, fractal was really clear when you're talking about concentration risk. Look at this Tesla and Arc. I mean, fascinating, isn't it?
1: It's a singular trade. I mean, you know, <laughs> when, when you when you're that concentrated, and then if somebody had said something that's like uh, kind of a gambler's uh, paradox or you know, gambler's dilemma where as you're, as you're, if you're, if if you're not like, you know, performing some sort of Kelly Criterion betting structure, where you've got a a, a structured betting program, like a programmatic, uh, like uh, Renaissance, all those guys employed, um, then you're able to become, uh, well, I wouldn't say able to, but you, you, you potentially can get victim or fall victim to the gambler situation where as things fall apart you you know begin to double down triple down um start to stay take uh, much uh, more speculative risk and i think you're seeing that with her um you know kind of changing her her mandates allowing for more speculative and singular positions larger positions um it's like they're they're basically you're seeing one of the and this, this could be like the, the, one of the stories of our time, I think in this period of the stock market where something became as large as Vanguard by being highly concentrated. And then because it was highly concentrated, it could not stay there. And it became victim to, you know, the kind of the behavior that you get when you're, when you're highly concentrated, things are really, really, really good. Or things are really, really, really bad. Um, And being speculative may not help that. So if they don't diversify, um, I think you can yeah, see that say, whole position fall
0: arc. arc is way yeah. too specialized, but um, yeah. th- this is also, you know, f- full of um, SPACs. And so Peter just asked about that, which is twofold answer, at least on my side. One is technically there is a, literally the SPAK, which you know, if you just do a fib level on this, when we first dropped very precipitously in two weeks, we came all the way down to seven eight point six level bounced right into the 10 week, which was resistance and then formed, you know, a completely lovely on a weekly morning star reversal. And here we are right back down. So could this be a double bottom and head higher? It's still not safe until it's back above 30. Craig, who I've had, um, Samuelson, who I've had on, you know, SPAC attack one, SPAC attack two, when he was trading this stuff, and I mean, he's just been a guru in this space. When on the first ride up, he was like, this is Phenomenal. Then the second show was all about how, like ARC, this oversupply will cause it just by the weight of it to fall on itself on its own. Right. Just just the weight of of the the issuance. Um, And he was very bearish um, going into the second uh, podcast and then webinar. Sorry which is also a podcast now, by the way. <laughs> and then sure enough, whoosh, the floor just came, um, gave sway. And ARK has a lot of SPACs. And in fact, they also issued some changes in their composition of what they're going to do in regards to the um, the SPAC trades. But one thing that he that, that Craig did also said was when we have this washout low, these warrants, when we have a real washout low, will be extremely great. Um, plays, you know, they're 10 cents or whatever, just stick them in a drawer and forget about it because when the market does come back, and it is an asset class, it will come back. Not all of them, of course, um, go with the best, you know, in breed. When they do come back, they'll be worth a lot of money. So he, that, just an answer, Peter, that's, you know, one trading strategy in regards to SPACs. But right now, they have fallen from grace as an asset class. And uh, a lot of people were hurt. A lot of new traders were hurt who came in, made an enormous amount of money last year, got into this, you know, what do you call it? Gropey? Grope, grope? <laughs> Something.
1: Gorpi. Gorpy.
0: Gorpy. Gorp-y. That's Gorp-y. a much better word. Okay. Scorpio yeah. action. Scorpio action. Yeah, where it
1: just, where it just you know, there's no sell side to it and it just kind of just keeps getting bit up, bit up, bit up. And it goes on and goes on and goes on. So like um that's the gorp, the I call it the market gorp where and then you don't boom. you boom. You know, and then that's exactly what you see. And are once a significant selling event starts, then it clears out everything. If you look at that yep. particular SPAC chart, it went right back to the previous.
0: Kind I feel of high, high yes. right? I and so right.
1: high, brought brought came back. So that's I mean, I where no it was idea, tested out.
0: Yeah. When, when yeah, it was
1: the, the, yeah. The issuance. Yeah. So you know the the if you look at if you look at the to me the spec thing, the Momo trades that started either in November or January, um, and they you know these things are like you know we were getting just hit them with them in the face every day. It's like nonstop. You know um, TikTok videos, the whole nine yards. Like all of that stuff is like here, if you like set that over to the side and then you've got, you know, which I would call like really hot, fast money. And then over here you have the indexation, the passive indexation, you got volatility. Um, that whole, that whole sphere, sphere, I you know, I'd say, and then you have like Kathy Wood and the concentrated positions over here. They, they're all different things to me. Like, um, so like you are seeing, you know, and we talked about legs of the table getting knocked out. And what continues to carry this bull market on, and we're we're kind of I think we're we're totally in the final innings here because you're you're starting to lose your retail, like uh, chasing you know new nouveau you know trade uh, situation. I've seen more like you know I can't believe how much money I'm losing uh, posts in the last couple of weeks, and I'm just like you know how what are they you know what what were people like mass levered in Teladoc? you know I mean you know
0: I liked it or, you are know, you kidding. Well, I, I think it's great
1: and everything, but it's just too far, too fast, right? So like and we everybody's
0: Wix too, right? And yeah, hundred
1: percent. Yeah, yeah. So like these are all great things, but in the long term, on a on a mean average, they'll be fine. But in the in the short run, they got so extended past you know any type of fair value that they were gone. So like you have those those have been knocked out. You've got Kathy Wood and the concentrated position bunch over here, and they're struggling. Can they bounce back? You know, we'll see. Then you've got gone um, kind of to the passive indexation ETF environment that's still chugging along, and without and that is the biggest one in the room by by far, and the institutional order flow as it relates to options, and and that is the largest players in the room, and they're still bullish, and they're bullish because inflation, right? Until there's some significant change. Now we're kind of getting to the tape. I would say to the tail end of this thing where, you know, there's, you know, Biden changed his uh, thing from 3 trillion to 4 trillion on the infrastructure. And then they're throwing out another stimulus of some kind next month. I, you know, there is some breaking point. And that's what Griffin was saying. It's like, you know, you got to be on the lookout for that. And that, and that indexation. And so if everything else under, underneath is falling apart, if all these different pieces are falling apart, then, you know, it just, there is only a, mo- a matter of time before these real ones are put to the test, right? Um, and I think that's really where we're at at this point.
0: Did you see the um, article that I uh, tweeted, but also just put in chat, just wanted to get your thoughts on this. It is the, ro- the the rotation, for lack of a better word, from passive to active investing again. So it was an article that popped up that caught my attention. Uh, the resurgence of active trading. Maybe you know these guys. Um, yeah, Andrew Yep. Okay. yeah. yeah but i really this this is interesting to me equity funds active versus passive they are starting to catch up um i really liked this particular mapping of fintech platforms you know we, we I, I only know I don't know some of these, but I know you know all of these. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But they're definitely seizing on this whole, you know, revolution, if you will, of folks coming in to manage their own wealth. And by the way, women have opened up more accounts at Fidelity over the last year than men. I. That's a new one. I
1: wrote I wrote an article at the beginning of the year um, that they uh, put um, that got published in tab form. I think in a couple other places. It was like the the return of uh, active. And um, that was in January, and um, I I put I I thought that that's I haven't read this Anderson Horowitz one out, but I'll read it. It's the technology, like I like if you give me a if I gave you my real opinion, like right here, I'm not like real bearish, like overall, like I'm bearish like the passive structure, right of of the ETFs, and that's kind of got to go go through some cleansing situation of some kind and can we get through it? Um, but I'm kind of bullish of the fact that there's so many people wanting to get involved in the markets mm-hmm. and the liquidity that that brings and the, f- the speed with which people learn this stuff oh, and yeah. that they're getting involved in it. Like you're talking about like, you know, young people, uh, women, like you name it. Like, and as the internet comes online in other countries, um, like and I, I may have mentioned this uh, or not, but I mean we work with the exchanges directly all the time. And I was speaking to NASDAQ, and they said there was more orders for American equity index a, index uh, access in Asia, like you know Southeast Asia, Pacific Asia, PAC, you know the Asia Pac environment, than the United States by like six. Wow. To access U.S. equity So like you know you figure other countries come online. We're the most uh, kind of mature. Market in the world, you know, not perfect by any stretch of imagination, but most a highly biggest, mature market,
0: most liquid.
1: Right, exactly, and I think as more people get involved, you can't. It's very hard to be like, you know, so so, uh, you know, cataclysmically bearish with that kind of structural thing taking place with a lot of people getting involved, and and the apps are actually migrating to to being just straight, you know, transactional things to exploring yeah. and discovering. So I think that like, you know, um, the the ETF piece. Is like got to got to experience some sort of uh, uh, event to cl- clear that out because that that's such a tied piece. But you know the options market is wagging that dog right now, um, in my that's opinion. the
0: active try side, they're still institutionally yeah. not very active in the the you know the correct correct world.
1: correct. And that's what I'm referring to. That institutional level passive indexation that is created and think in the concept that that's just going to continue to persist. I think that has to be the last thing to, to be taken out before you see some next kind of next generation market that exists.
0: But Which, you're right, And you've also talked about the fiscal monetary combo deal is going to bring not just a lot of liquidity right into mm-hmm. the system, um, you know, via the Fed, but also the printing into the consumer's pocket. Okay. Where they, Consume or whether they pay down debt or whether they invest or whether they speculate so it is to be determined this this second wave, if you will of of stimulus checks seems to be going into or expected to go into spending and uh, paying down of debt, but we'll see. It, it- hotels,
1: hotels, I um, uh, saw a statistic yesterday, hotels almost to 80% capacity in some states. Um, so like people are getting back out there with the vaccines and so forth. So they're taking, I think the people are taking that money and more towards debt, more towards car buying, more towards, you know, traveling um, house, you know, first house ownership, um, things like that. I don't think that's coming into the, the market this time. So it's not, it's not a tailwind for the market, I believe on this round, this go round.
0: So now we're, we're talking about, um, you know, inflection points here, higher, lower, as we've really been grinding about. And this, this you know, the Russell pullback of 10 percent is nothing but a blip in regards to its relative strength over the past few yep. months. And this yep. quarter in particular, energy digesting the past few weeks after the yep. oil, you know, uh, drop of 7% in one day and then of course everyone's like whoa wait a minute and sure enough there is reason for it it was way ahead of fundamentals but when you when i look at the whole cyclical trade of okay value is still working money's still coming you know there's a bull market somewhere dollars still trading higher gold lower with bonds all of that to me makes sense on a macro side but there was a good question. So it, the hedges obviously aren't working. Um, but what about crypto? It has held its ground extremely well. Are mm-hmm. you bullish or bearish this you know recent push and my, but I mean, obviously it hit 60,000 and it's kind of digesting in a $10,000 range for Bitcoin and then lots of other cryptos. It has not, from my you know technical analysis, the bitcoin proxies whether it be microstrategy mara riot the the very popular ones the more liquid ones and the ones that have a lot of um and of course gbtc the ones that have a lot of bitcoin on the balance sheet for example have not taken out their february highs so they're still digesting but they haven't broken down and that is still serving as a hedge or a better hedge than gold or bonds or volatility which is still breaking down yeah big picture um, that's the one leg of the table, right, in the hedging world that yep. has not been taken out. What are your, yep. what are your thoughts on that?
1: I, you know, I, I, I would have to say, I saw, I saw, the, I saw the comment earlier um, in the thread. Um, I think that it's, it's a liquidity thing where there's just still such a, a, a liquidity um, abundance that can go to that. Um, and desires to go to that at this point, point. and that hasn't been tested in any way, shape, or form. And I think you were the one, maybe two weeks ago, or I'm going to say it was something about that point where you were like, "I, I, I want to see this tested."
0: I do. Right? I, 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 I want to see Bitcoin price.
1: tested. And so, yeah. And so, I, th- I think Plus that, that that's price. probably, yeah, it's probably a fair, a fair shake. You know, I think, I think that like until there's liquidity um, choke on that, then that probably remains pretty bid on dips and, and, and it's so, it's so accessible to an extent, um, from the, from like the most, so give, let me give you guys some perspective. So most apps like, uh, and most exchanges at this point are carrying Bitcoin and Bitcoin proxy, uh, um, you know, kind of, uh, all the different coins at least the majority coins the um uh all the kind of you know ethereum and and i don't know all of them like so i'm not going to say and and kind of uh butcher that but there's a lot every time i talk to an exchange they're they're not scrambling to to get it in but they are actively um getting these indexes getting this ready to be indexed and stuff like that and So to me, that means there's still a demand um, and the demand is still steady and growing versus going the other direction. And the liquidity is still coming into that. So, you know, is it as strong a liquidity? I think this is late, late comers, but I think that you run the risk here if you get bearish on it right here, same way you kind of get bearish on the indexes at an inflection point. If it's not breaking down, there is excess liquidity and you don't have significant volatility, then you got to benefit. You got to give the benefit of the doubt, probably to the upside. Now, be it, it's kind of much more dicey here than at like twenty thousand or ten thousand was. Oh, yeah. That was, you know, much different um, kind of upside, upside action move. Um, but this, this could be, you know, you could see another breakout situation if it does not, if it doesn't break down. And that's where kind of the whole picture, I think as a whole, I have is that I don't know, I don't know if IWM makes it back up because most of the push, yeah, I'd say not most, but I'd say a good 45 to 60% of the push in um, IWM was these Momo stocks. I don't think they're there now. And I think that you, but, but the major indexes, they're at inflection points within, with the absence of volatility liquidity coming into them and excess liquidity on the sideline to take a short side bet is is pretty, it's pretty, well, uh, that's speculative in my point.
0: Let me go over a few, few notes though. I mean, I'd Bitcoin, say the same
1: thing, Bitcoin that to sum up my position is I I, I find it hard to short that right here. I don't, yeah, we, I don't we have, it yeah. hasn't
0: broken. I completely agree. Yeah. But as a hedge, I mean, one thing that um, a comment in chat was that institutionally it is not a crowded trade. I'm showing a chart that this is Bitcoin position, you know, based on open interest at the CME. Um, Mm -hmm. These are futures contracts and obviously it has traded like a commodity. So for me, Bitcoin trades like a commodity. And why I said I wanted to see it tested as the dollar goes up, which was the thesis, right? 93 and then 94, then 95 and the Dixie. I wanted to see how Bitcoin would process that because it's dollar based. Um, I want to see how that how that does. So right now, this is very, you know, busy and strong trend that has not broken. We do have the Bitcoin mini futures coming up May 3rd -hmm. that just Mm -hmm. got announced, I think, today or yesterday. So that is uh, some will say, oh, that's going to be the shorting opportunity when it becomes, you know, the mini Bitcoin uh, futures is like one for uh, one tenth. Right. And the question is, will retail really be trading futures?
1: No, yeah, I, I don't think not at all. So, it's, you know, because you, if you've seen a futures push, you would have seen it in this last retail push, and you didn't see that. The the, the, the push was the options. So, retail's got their hands and arms wrapped around options, and so are the apps. So, no, no apps that I'm aware of are actively trading. But the futures. dollar
0: is still moving higher, right? So it just, just broke out. Really, this is a daily, but I've been showing this chart, and you know, I'm still both. Um, bond and gold bearish this is gold inverse right and this mm. is the dollar so this is just taken earlier um we're still moving higher i, I mm. still see this is 93. um obviously i'm wrong it comes right back in but we're still moving higher let's see what bitcoin does and then this was uh, pushed out big picture from plan b anyone who follows this i think knows who plan b is a uh, hundred trillion is his uh twitter handle <laughs> And his quote was, we are only four months into a bull market and nowhere near the end of it, Bitcoin is just getting started. So it is very tough to, um, you know, discount it as an asset class. It definitely doesn't have large institutional sponsorship, but it definitely has a large, um, you know, retail, uh, what do you call it, stimulus checks, excitement, Went into it as well, and it trades like a, a commodity. It hasn't been tested, yada yada, and it, it still has the well. Look,
1: look, look, Ow, give, blessing. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you. I give you a couple. I'll give you a couple uh, thoughts on this. You can't get institutional acceptance with such a standard deviation, right? So that's part of the problem that you're not getting as much institutional acceptance because it falls outside the risk parameters. So it's hard for them to right. allocate to it. Um, when, they, when you see a 20% drawdown, a 20% rise, 30% up, 30%. Yeah, that, that is like one of the major issues with it getting to you know, the major warehouse level of acceptance. And until that changes, those models aren't going to, they're not going to buy it just purely out of rules, right? Like um, you are seeing hedge funds, uh, you know, take positions in it um, to, not, to avoid not being invested but that's still not like a a concentrated speculative position like a micro strategy. So you've got um, you you, there's just by the the default nature of it being so uh, volatile, it it's it it basically discounts itself to being accepted at the institutional level based on just rules. So that's going to be something that holds it back, um, which keeps it to, you know, uh, it's still going to kind of, you know, be be not manipulatable, but it's controlled by, you know, as something that has a finite set of, of uh, you know, units, right? And that doesn't have all the players in it. And that's why I say, like, you know, people say, like, oh, wait until the institutions get involved. It's like, then, but they don't put the, the asterisk on there that institutions can't get involved with something with the high the highest standard deviation at all. And they have to change the rules. So, like, those are, those statements don't throw that out. So, what's happening with Bitcoin is, you know, you got Players in there that are that are sponsoring companies that are potentially you know taking speculative positions. So Morgan Stanley has been involved uh, in a lot of things over in China, and that name keeps popping up a lot in the circles with you know sponsoring companies that are taking speculative positions. So I think that there's a that's kind of a little bit of a workaround that's taking place with that, and it, you'll continue to see this be kind of a violent vehicle um, for the foreseeable future. Um, until something is, is uh, determined as far as the regulatory environment with the U.S. government. I don't know how that shakes out. It's so funny you brought this up because I actually was thinking about that um, today just randomly because I saw Chipotle post yes. something about, like, you know, got Bitcoin or something. I am like, oh, all right, someone I'm going to be buying, like, my burritos with, with Bitcoin now. And, um, you know, that's, it's starting to get to the point where the government, the U.S. government, has to address it. Um, at some point here shortly and shortly being in, in, you know, sometime in the near term future as to is this, is this, uh, is this a mechanism of payment um, or is it, or is it not, right? Is it, is it going to be like a a structured vehicle, like a, you know, where you're paying with Zelle, you know, or or something to that effect. So I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a totally, I have no, I have no, uh, uh, position in it. Um, you know, honestly, cause like we're, we're in tech, so it, it's, it's hard to, to, that'd be like me being doing my best Kathy Wood impression to get super concentrated and, and, um, you know, things that are, that are changing, changing things. So, you know, I, I don't take a position in it. I don't have a position in gold either for what it's worth. So like, I'm not sitting here, you know, gold bugging it. Talking I was, just, down Bitcoin. I was
0: just asked about gold and silver. So let me just kind of comment on that, because Bitcoin for me is still um, a fabulous alternative. I just think it's a, it's a great alternative investment um, because of the fact that it has such, you know, speculation and, and sponsorship. But I love to pick apart the whole concept that it's, you know, the networking effect. Uh, Price doesn't matter, you know. the 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 thesis that what matters is owning a piece of this network, and they're constantly referencing uh, network effect, uh, Metcalf's law. So Bob Bob Metcalf is the one who came up with this networking effect, you know, um, kind of catchphrase. And the funny thing is, I grabbed, I, I went back and looked at his comments. Uh, on network effects and Bitcoin, and he said one trouble is that the value of networking is very hard to measure, <laughs> which I think is also the bear case, right? Like, how, how uh,
1: yeah, it? yeah. I mean, you know, there's he, a comment says, you know, Bitcoin's crazy volatile. Um, how are we going to call it volatile when Viacom, you know, got cut in half in a week? Yes, it's a fair, fair statement. The problem is the way the the institutions are set up, right? They don't consider the volatility ranges inside a period of time right to be you know it's just the way their formulas are structured
0: I'm not gonna I'm not gonna
1: argue with the the volatility at all I'm arguing with the way that they set it up and Bitcoin experiences so Viacom didn't experience volatility for a while and then it just got wiped out right so it's even it's worse it's worse than being high highly volatile over a period of time but the way that they set their stuff up that's why it's not going to be institutionally you know, accept it for some time until the way that they run their formulas would change and they consider it an asset class that can they can basically it's a cya deal right yeah. i'm not going to offer it to my clients and thus i can cya that's the problem and nobody can cya bitcoin especially and they can't you know can't figure out exactly you know a lot of them can't even explain it right they can explain viacom you know people use it but they can't explain bitcoin
0: well, there you go so uh, on the the gold and um, silver trade I am still bearish and bearish bonds too uh, there's been no stabilization no pattern yeah. um no you know higher real yields to you know justify anything else than just continued chop choppiness and droppiness in those precious metals but I know folks are getting very anxious about that because they're not, um, converts to Bitcoin and they see the fade continue in gold down 15 20% since the August highs. Um, bonds continuing, you know, to just not go anywhere fast. Um, and silver was the last one to fall. So this is kind of interesting that we actually had a, a, a solid drop below the 200 day, finally in silver, um, and not since May 15th. So, and interestingly enough, it's tracking the the strongest with the dollar. The dollar for the first time since May is above the 200 day. So Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, I still see both um, the, the bond and precious metal trades lower for the next quarter. And then Q3, they will start to get defended and Q4, I think they'll be much, much stronger. But unfortunately I don't see anything but just choppiness in precious metals um and you just talked about the aura of volatility with bitcoin i mean something that moves so dramatically is very hard to kind of gauge so that's i think
1: i think yeah the, to to throw in my two cents on the precious levels.
0: like that it's very slow <laughs> historically
1: you know the pm's like if you look at the 2010 to 20 you know 2017 period they would get violently just violently attacked on um, a market structure basis like you saw the massacre you know, back in the 12th and 13th time period. And the selling was really like serious. Um, this time it's been pretty orderly. Um, I was actually looking at that before we got on, just kind of, you know, I try to take a look at different things considering we might discuss them. And I'm just not seeing anything in that, that structure that's like really super concerning as like a major breakdown. Like we're hitting the 200 area right now for like silver, right? Gold is still... You know finding its way there gdx is is looking soft these things don't but they don't look like they're falling apart um they look like there's no there's just no there's no liquidity flowing that direction i think when there's something that's got you know a positive market structure and a wider you know perspective so if you zoom out years on the pms and you look at the levels of which they're retracing these are really solid hold levels right Wait a potentially
0: yeah <laughs> Wait a minute. So one thing, let me just say with gold and then show you a monthly, because I think that kind of allows that pulling out feature. Um, the macro for, for gold really is this. I mean, it can it can be used as calamity hedge, inflation hedge, commodity, all kind of currency. There are lots of reasons that gold is in a portfolio for, for sure. But in regards to outperformance, um, it's when real rates head lower and, you know, neg- I'm sorry, uh, it, Negative rates are bullish gold, and we have been turning the channel and, you know, this kind of trend, if you will, of the steepener in the yield curve, which I think is going to flatten, which could be bearish equities sooner rather than later, but it hasn't yet. (laughs) So uh, negative real interest rates are bullish gold and inflation adjusted real rates um, heading lower. Is when gold outperforms so that's kind of the macro backdrop and then this is gold with a little bit of the dollar yen just as a kind of a an overlay I know this is really messy but just bear with me it's part of my inter my intermarket so here is gold continuous contract on a monthly and you can see when you you're just talking about pulling back in time it's a gorgeous kind of like scoop maybe this is a handle and then we shoot up higher and that's what everyone is really you know, buying or positioning for. The problem is this is on a massive trend line from 2001. It is also correlated inversely to the dollar-yen carry trade, and you can see that this dollar, uh, the the dollar-yen is poking up higher, so it's broken out. The uh, gold, this is, um, by the way, doesn't include today, is looking like it wants to break down my intermarket stuff is going to be very noisy but it basically means it's on its way to zero so goal- oh those,
1: they didn't agree with you my, my <laughs> dogs didn't agree I,
0: I know a lot of folks who don't but to me this just still says uh, caution it it definitely definitely needs to i think overshoot that trend line on a monthly um then maybe get very quickly supported and head higher but um I would say there's still weakness in that complex. So, you know, you know,
1: I, I had a target on gold at um, 1500, 1450.
0: Yeah, that's that's With, exactly. Yeah. You know,
1: that, that's the that's the target that I had from a market structure perspective that I thought I'd probably revisit um, because it it just got really carried away.
0: Yep. And, and, and um, same thing right here, which is in this channel, which, again, this is gold verse. And this is the dollar as this heads higher. This is coming back down to that channel. Um yeah, we're you know potentially. Yeah, and
1: and and I had a target on silver at like uh, let me look at that real quick. I had a target on that, um, and it's not anywhere close to that. And I'd love to see it come back. Like SLV is seventeen fifty, right? Seventeen fifty area, something to that effect. So That'd be about eighteen bucks and and uh, continuous futures eighteen fifty. You know, and so I don't. That's what I was saying. Like I, maybe I'm just being greedy, but like I think that these are setting up like nicely i think they're going lower um for sure and i think that they're not even close to done but like still fairly orderly and i go to interesting we had the margin liquidations last week right like what? the banks and all that's talking about and mm-hmm. gold is a tier one asset okay and it's a a the, one of the tier one assets, right? And a lot of classes for, for liquidation. So, you know, if you see these types of events occur that that can be where, you know, gold gets hit, you know, kind of two percent, three percent. And it's like where you get those kind of standard deviation moves. So I, I don't, this may not be correlated at all, but we're starting to see a little bit more, you know, uh, volatility in that space. But I, sometimes those things can can correlate. We did see that last week. I, until something changes with the banks and the you know and the and especially like the central banks around the world, um, I and I'm not trying to go like full on you know, gold bug you know conversation or Jim Rickards here, but like I think that you know you could you my my target is 1500 1450 to see if this stuff has any merit in the in the buying space any further. Um, I think that's where you'd see institutions step in with with two with the with what they call back up the dump truck if that's what you're gonna if that's where you would see, which could correlate to these rates um, areas that you're talking about right now.
0: Well, let's talk about since rates are still in uh, play, higher yields, and since tech is a duration play, this is something I've shared with clients before, which is basically a stacked chart of you know your semis, IPOs, financial mm-hmm. services, internet, IGV is heavily weighed with Microsoft. Hack is cyber. I could go on and on and on. But the point is, these are technology sectors that are just, you know, forming head and shoulders. um, Digestion for months, right? While small caps and value and cyclical and commodities and Bitcoin (laughs) have done really well, um, relatively speaking. And this is just not looking really ready to turn higher so how do we you know and kind of answer to that how do we get this um this move to get us to 430 and spy or you know Mm 4600 some have it how are we going to do that when we have extreme sentiment right now also in i love these charts from um suburban Uh, drone if anyone follows him he's he's Mm -hmm. very much bearish but i love his charts because they make me think every single time margin balances you know all-time highs and the divergence between global nasdaq on a weekly and it's you know 200 week is far below and the same argument could be made for cyclicals this and I've done this with clients as well, where we've got massive amounts of gaps higher, whether it be financials, whether it be you know energy, not as much energy, small caps, but also energy um, across the board. There and I put this little orange arrow to kind of emphasize huge. This is not a gappy product. <laughs> you know, at some point, um, and these are the high beta cyclicals, right? So I just showed you global Nasdaq, that was a great chart of his, and now the the high beta cyclicals also again percentage of these stocks above their 200 week moving average is just unprecedented highs when we do have like you were talking about this gorpie action um and the air pocket or i should say leverage right now and you know then creates this air pocket of risk i think both when we do have a sell off come both tech and value momentum and anti momentum can sell off aggressively together
1: hundred percent yeah totally agree yeah I have no 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 Steve, argument to that
0: now where are the hedges and by the way well again, go, back know,
1: the, go back to the go back to the first picture he had and I'll play devil's advocate on this go ahead when you look at uh, uh, 18 right uh, you know it's 16 17 if I, I can I can kind of make out like it's 14 to is the first year 2014 on the yeah. left. All right. So Robin hood becomes very, very, very prevalent, like, you know, uh, 18 and on right. Um, 17, 18 and on. And that's right. Really after that 16 area. Yep. And so you have a whole new kind of universe of people that are, you know, getting into the market and taking on margin that weren't even in the market. And so sometimes when you look at these statistics, I don't want to call them like, you know, uh, chart crimes or anything like that, but it's almost like you you got to like add a second level of information in that, in the sense that when did these, what are the other ramifications that could lead to such a high margin environment, right? So Robinhood doesn't even require you to fill out paperwork, right? Like TD Ameritrade does for for margin. You just simply do a couple of clicks and you got it. So that did, you know, it did contribute to this. So we are at a high level, but we're at such a high level. How, how much of that is like actually, you know, concentrated to there, or is it because balances have increased hundred and fifty percent at the institutional is, level too, it's, 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 where people people keep taking on margin. Like if Come you're at, if you're at like a Raymond James and they're like, hey, you can take on margin too. So people are net long, which I think is a negative thing. I don't, and don't get me wrong, I'm not cheerleading. The situation i'm just saying that what can take it higher is that exactly the thing that's taking it higher at the moment which isn't necessarily a good thing it's just that it's inflows that are sitting there because the equities have gone up and the equity in those accounts has gone up and so the margin allowances yeah. have gone yep. up too right I'm, and so it's, it's a feeding loop that i don't really that's to saying, me honestly it's the liquidity
0: yeah i'm not yeah. Saying like- we're worried about the margin as i am the leverage <laughs> so
1: well look like once everybody flip like once once you got an account you've got 2 million dollar account you've taken on more margin on that right and then you get half then you're you're zero real quick right and so you know to the viacom point a few minutes ago if you're holding the wrong stuff and you get half then you're on margin then you're lit up and that's the end of the show. Yeah. And so that can happen real quick and that's exactly why you're right that at some point it all will sell off together um, because of the way that it's rolling together. But you know be, it, it make hey while the sun is shining is how they're structuring this stuff, right? Why why be why be short? Like to, you know, I have a I got an anecdotal call the other day I wasn't long enough according to my my brokerage
0: <laughs> you weren't right. long enough i wasn't oh, oh, long
1: oh. enough <laughs> yeah i wasn't long enough so you know quote unquote like you know you know you you, you should be taking on more you could you could take on more you, you, you you're you know, too you you're too much cash
0: houses and taking cash out it's the same kind yeah, of you've
1: got too much cash money. right yeah this, so it's like yeah
0: yeah but this is also you know the the article that i just had um screen shared is long short hedge funds um even though they're you know off if you will because of the, the, the that growth value momentum factor rotation they have been still 201 percent leveraged so mm-hmm. yes yeah. this-
1: no i mean we're levered up or we're, we're levered up but we're levered up across the board like we're levered up across at the, the
0: board and it wasn't from just the government
1: like, level all the way down right it's it's, yeah. it's just it's all levered up
0: the robin hood GameStop, you know was levered the tiger, mm-hmm. tiger cub uh, family office was levered. Hedge funds are still, retail is still, everyone's levered. <laughs> and if volatility, they're not, levered enough, they contact you and say, please. <laughs>
1: volatility to me, the last thing I'll say, volatility will give you some inclination that there is some trouble. And you're seeing none in the term structure and in the SPY, in, you know, SPX, and the Dow Jones. And you're seeing some in the, in the, in, in the, the IWM. Russell, right, and then you're seeing a little bit in the queues, but that vanishes pretty quickly. Until you see Vol like really like to pick up, to me, yeah. then you you just it it can it it can a little bit before it starts to turn over now it will catch up it will catch up because once everyone does get nervous they're going to get yes. nervous simultaneously so, so, this is so my you'll see warning. it compress
0: so yeah. this is my warning uh, and i think and I, we've already talked about this that volatility for me anyway is going to have waves through june and mm-hmm. i think june is going to be potentially you know some buying opportunity but for right now i think this is going to be waves big you know volatility bursts and they get sold another big volatility burst and it's gonna be like that for a few months but here's just an example of intermarket when you're talking about there's no volatility so here is right up here this is the you know this is this is nasdaq by the way this is a mcclellan summation ratio and it's intermarket and it's really busy and you don't use this every day but the point is here's nasdaq up here and here's the selling under the surface And traditionally when this hits zero, it's not at zero right now, it's at 1468, doesn't matter. But when it hits zero is when we get volatility. So Mm -hmm. I use this as an indicator of, okay, so we still haven't had, we've had lots of selling under the surface, right? But we haven't had any volatility yet. So I use stuff like that. And just as kind of like, because we do this every Tuesday and, for, and if you join, I kind of, you know, join in both conversation or listening. I'm grateful, uh, Jonathan is grateful. We, we love kind of figuring out the, the puzzle of the market. And one thing in particular that I am puzzled by is the strength of the market backdrop when it intonates over and over that it's gonna roll over at any point. And this is a case in point. NYSE, which is a composite index, I happen to like to chart, has been like. Look at this. Look at this. Ts. one, two, three. This is the <laughs> MACD. Still, still hasn't rolled over. Extremely overbought, and yes, stuff can play can stay overbought, you know, for a long time. But remember this: we talked about this, you know, months <clears throat> ago, and it still pulls back. It's like stair step. That's what worries me: is the higher this goes more gorpy action you know the more parabolic that it goes that equals trapped longs equals liquidation equals viacom type event maybe hopefully not but the point is i can see this coming crashing back down eventually hasn't triggered yet and the same thing you know when i do my intermarket which is the percent of stocks above their 50-day moving average Mm -hmm. we're talking 2018 Mm -hmm. here right here we are this is where we broke out i'm like Dang it, and here's this trend line from, guess what? March 23rd, Fed Intervention low, right? We keep coming close, but we haven't failed. And when we do, it's typically boom, right? So then that was, um, by the way, January 2018. This was October through Christmas Eve massacre 2018. This was 35 days and 35% pullback between February 24th and March 23rd. What's coming next? (laughs) So I I keep doing the same thing with you. I'm like looking, going, okay, we could go higher.
1: The the difference that that I have versus those areas is just, there's just no, like no vol. And the options are just all call side. Even when there's the slightest kind of drawback, you're seeing just this massive, Outside. And I and when I see something change like that, I'll be the first one to jump on the gas because like I'm I'm much more inclined to be bearish than bullish in markets. It's just historically how I've always felt because it's just so much more fun and fast, right? To be yeah. long ball and 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 short short indexes, but at the same time, I'm not. I don't have a green light to these things, and these things have just been meandering you know, and it becomes like a time frame issue, right? They can meander for a couple more weeks. They can meander for a couple more months and continue to break down. And that magic elixir, like all of your intermarket stuff is starting to like, you know, show, show problems. And I was looking at your portfolio hedger and a bunch of those are all, you know, hedge volatility or flirting with, with neutral.
0: Too, right? And,
1: and, and bull, it's, it's, it's really that, they, you know, when we threw in the neutral because they're, they're flirting with it, but they're not breaking down. Nothing's like, uh,
0: breaking down. Nothing's yeah. breaking up. Nothing's confirming. But you can see the charts; they keep intonating that it's. They want to. <laughs> so you gotta be. So
1: that's what I say you gotta be you gotta be cautious that you could get bear trapped, right? Because that could be really painful to be very short and then to have the roof ripped off. Um, although the, a lot of you know, so you just gotta know your levels of if I'm <laughs> if I'm short, know my levels where I gotta I'm gonna have to clear cover and get out because they're going to rip it'll rip because of the the one time frame stuff but if not it could go it could go like it very much could go anytime but
0: at the same time every this every word he just wrote in in chat just hanging as long as the Fed balance sheet keeps going up and I've heard estimates you know from you know seven to fifty trillion if needed then it's going to be hard for crashes to stick they may be episodic events but they will be bought now that's what we are expecting, <laughs> but yeah. in the meantime, it could be very dramatic, right? Like a Viacom, not per se, not, I'm not saying we're going to drop in half, but my point is when the, it happens, it forces folks out of the market because then they become un, ill-equipped to handle that kind of volatility.
1: Well, you know, I think, I think ultimately the, the number one enemy of the Fed is volatility. Right. Because it keeps people out of the water um, and they want people in the water and, and it puts the pension stuff at risk, which is all you know, it's just a paradox because and I, I I'm a broken record with all this. But it's like no, if, but it's if you've
0: good got right, you it yeah. or else it'll reprice pensions and the Fed yeah. won't allow that. So. And
1: so it's a paradox. And so, you know, can that game continue uh, you know, as long as there's the perception that it can. Right. Then it can Right. As long as the, the preponderance of players want that to continue, then it can't. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, uh, volatility doesn't lie. Volatility tells the truth though. Always does. Um, it told the truth back in March. Volatility told you the truth when it, you know, really had nowhere else to go. It was at a hundred and, you know, really had nowhere else to go. So it was done and they sucked it out of the market and everybody got back in the water. And so I think, you know, until you see some semblance of volatility, and the term structure and of the major indexes and you track that, you know, for people who don't want to track it, they can just, you know, grab the portfolio hedger. But if you track the ter- term structure and a couple other factors in that, then you, you know, you're able to, you know, kind of get your heads up when it's coming. Cause it, and, and, and I'd say it's heads up time right now, cause it's all, you know, neutral or negative, you know, neutral or bearish. So you got, it's there, it's just not sticking. Right. Yeah. And so, and so when you, when you say, you know, um, it's hard for the crashes to stick. Um, it, it, it is as long as the ETF indexation is overwhelming the situation and the and the, the, the levels of the market are buyers levels. And so if the, the levels of the market are, let's say 20% to 25% lower than here, you can s- see those things. They'll be buying events. If you get 40, 50% like from where we are, which is sounds crazy, but like just bear with me. Then they will reassess those formulations, and then you're going to see some sort of clearing event. Where I'm talking about where the ETF structure itself has to be thought through. So I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm until you see Vol like rear its head, you know, in the in the major indexes, and you see the options positioning change, um, then you you can got to give the benefit of the doubt to going higher. Um, especially when you got this clearing of this MoMo trade stuff. The, you know, the Destla stuff has not knocked this off. Then, you know, just by proxy of liquidity um, and levels of uh, where money's gonna come from the sideline and come back in, right? Uh, you can see things go go higher and margin balances can go up and everything else.
0: No, nope, that's that's it in a nutshell. So we have the, this continued gorpy managed, choppy yep. market. Yep. We'll try to make sense of it next Tuesday, again, with whatever happens over the long weekend, which also includes non-farm payrolls on Friday when the market is closed. So for That's those fine. who are still here, keep in mind, we have a short week this week. Friday, markets closed. We've got Passover Easter celebrations into a Tuesday um, Amazon vote for unionization. Um, we'll see if organized labor makes a comeback, but that would you know force some potential you know, wage inflation thoughts. Um, Otherwise, you know, there's not a lot of economic data, just eyes on the dollar and volatility gap fill 1821. I'm still determined that we're gonna get down there, which means spy a little bit higher. Let's tag that 1821, some kind of form, you know, as far as basing before we can have a, a nice volatility event. So I still think we can grind a little bit higher, but I'm not so uber bullish, even though we've got, ah, yeah, totally. I'm not, I'm not uber bullish, but this will be posted on, um, my Laduke trading, uh, YouTube channel here. So please subscribe, hit thumbs up if you like it. If you don't let us know why, what, what you want to hear more yeah. about. I think that would be also, um, good feedback. And this is big tech. Uh, Jonathan has a new launch coming out including a new options product cannot wait Um, you can find both of us on Twitter